He is risen indeed. Uh, welcome if you're visiting with us. I know there's a lot of folks visiting uh, with us this morning. Uh, I just want to say happy Easter and welcome. I know there's a lot of people from out of town uh, coming in. We want to welcome them. Uh, a lot of people visiting from Charlottesville, from uh, surrounding counties, from uh, Louisa, Harrisonburg, uh, Buckingham, uh, wherever. Welcome this morning uh, to service. It's great to be able to be together uh, and be able to worship God together. Let's, let's say a prayer and then we'll dive in uh, to today's lesson. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, God, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, God, I pray that, that as we look at your scriptures, God, that our hearts, our hearts can be pricked. God, our hearts can be softened. Uh, God, by what we read, and that it, it extends beyond today. God, that it extends beyond this moment. Uh, God, I know how easy it is, God, for each of us, God, uh, today, this, this time of year, to be especially committed, uh, God, but as the rest of the year goes on, God, I pray that today can have an impact by what we read in your scriptures, God, by the conversations we have after service, by the prayers we, we have with each other, by the scriptures we share, God, that we can have, that we can see a lasting impact, God, in our lives, and that we can be lights here, God, uh, in the Blue Ridge Valley. Uh, and, and beyond. We're so grateful for everything you are, God, and what you are. Thanks for your son and him rising from the dead. Uh, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 So hop over to John chapter 16. Uh, it's great so far. We always love hearing from Edwin, our brother from Hawaii. Um, his last name apparently means the bird by the lake, so or the bird near the lake. So you can call him that if you want, um, as long as you get permission from Edwin to call him the, something like that. It's a loose translation. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but Edwin's awesome. Thank you earlier from uh, Miss Kathy, for, from Bobby, welcoming us this morning uh, to, to service. I do have one announcement uh, before we dive in uh, head first here is that we are going to have an Easter egg hunt after service too. So uh, for the kids. And um, so, uh, so after service, we're going to have the picnic staggered a little bit after service. But immediately after service, if you want to go ahead... Grab your kids, check them out of uh, kids ministry, and then go down the steps out here to the right, and then we're going we're gonna to have the kids split up into different hunting groups, which sounds pretty cool. <laughs> hunting groups, and then we'll go ahead and have the Easter egg hunt there right after service for the kids. Just wanted to throw that out there to encourage you that the Easter egg hunt is happening uh, right after service for the kiddos. So, uh, happy Easter. This is a picture of uh, the garden tomb in Israel, in uh, Jerusalem. This is a possible location. We don't really know where Christ rose from the dead. This does fit the description. Uh, so my, my wife and I were actually there uh, a year and a half ago along with the Balshes, along with many from our family of churches. It was very cool, very encouraging to see, uh, to be able to walk into it and even just kind of feel, wow, this is, uh, this is probably where it happened. Uh, we don't really know, but it's really exciting to be able to look at that. You can see the groove uh, where the sto- they would have rolled the stone uh, in and out in that groove. Uh, there's also a light that would have shown in, as you know, one of the accounts says, the light shone on the body. So uh, it seems like a pretty possible, uh, highly likely chance that it was there. If not, amen. Still cool to be, to be able to be there uh, and, and check that out and be a part of it. It's interesting to be where Jesus was crucified. Yeah. Uh, there's actually, it's, it's not very, um, uh, it's the, it wouldn't be like you imagine it per se. It's actually a bus stop now. And right above it in Arabic is written, um, uh, God has no son. Uh, so you, you kind of get the sense, yeah, you know, wow, okay, here it was. But even, even as he died, no one really seemed to care. And even today, um, for the most part, ostensibly, it seems like, yeah, it's pretty much still going, that people don't really care. And, and I know for this morning, we show up this morning in our Easter best. We look, we're looking good, come in, we, we make sure we smile, we talk to people, 
you know, I know for us, though, we can kind of be the same way a lot of times. Maybe not as outward, but we can be the same way where today we're especially committed, but tomorrow, next week, the rest of the year, Christmas comes around again, and then we, we may show up for Christmas, but to really see, wow, are we the same way? Are we living as if God has no son? Are we living our lives as if Jesus did not die, as if he did not rise from the dead? Now, we can feel that, but you know what? That's, that's no unique experience that the, the apostles at the time, as we'll see here, were feeling something very similar. And so the, the, the title of my lesson this morning is United by Truth. United by Truth. And in John chapter 16, it's very exciting. This year, our theme for the year is transformed by the Holy Spirit. Transformation by the Holy Spirit, uh, which is really exciting because we were talking all year, you know, all year about transformation, about how we can change, which really is what the message of the gospel is. That, uh, a lot of times we can think the message of the gospel is how can I be saved? But, but that's a question that really just has a selfish motivation. How can I escape pain? How can I get what I want? After all, Christ is here for me. God's here for me. And, and, and so we actually live a gospel. We live, we live out a gospel that's very selfish. When you look at the Bible, you see that the, the gospel is actually one of transformation. And we're not, we're not um, left ill-equipped for that transformation, by the way. We're given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is very, a very elusive concept. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? How do we really know what the Holy Spirit is or who He is? How do we know what He's trying to tell us to do? Is it our emotions? Is it not? We can talk more about that. We can't talk about that this morning in depth. Uh, some of those lessons are on our podcast, but please study the Bible with somebody who invited you today to dive into who the Holy Spirit is. But Jesus actually brings up the Holy Spirit on the eve of his arrest, which is interesting in John 16, verse 1. Uh, we're going to begin in John 16, verse 1. Jesus says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. And that's the potential for all of us to fall away. And Jesus says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this. So that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But truly, truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. How in the world can that be the case? Jesus says, listen, I'm leaving, but it's actually going to be for your good that I go away. I keep reading. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there's a lot, a lot going on here. My, my question this morning is, why did, did Jesus have to wait before the Spirit would be able to come? Why wouldn't, it, why wouldn't the Spirit just be sent earlier? Why wouldn't He just come along earlier? But Jesus says, no, it's, He's going to come later. And He's going to come after I die. I wonder why. And I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Why do you think? Why is it better that Jesus go? 
And that, that would be a, a difficult thing to accept for any of us. Uh, but I think Jesus understood something. Uh, we all know that coming up here soon, uh, the apostles are not going to have their greatest shining moment. It's about to get very difficult for everybody. Um, and, and even as we continue, John 17, 22, hop over to John 17, 22. I hope it's okay we look at a lot of scriptures this morning. John 17, 22. I think Jesus understood what was going to happen because in 17, 22, he prays. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, Jesus is praying before he dies. Now, this is awesome. Before he dies, before his most difficult obstacle, the the, the most difficult night in the history of the world, a man taking on the sin of the world, let alone taking on your sin would be be guilt-ridden enough and a burden enough. He's going to take on the sin of the world. He's praying for us. Christ is praying for us. But what's he praying for? He's praying that we actually are unified. And I think Jesus knew a chapter ago what we were reading, as I think he knew that the disciples weren't unified yet. I think he knew they weren't quite there yet. But they had been around Jesus for three years. They had done miracles. They they knew the scriptures. But they weren't ready yet for the Spirit. They were still independent. They were still self-focused. And they were still uh, self-centered. And now we know what happens, right? Mark 15, 50. Once it gets tough, they all left him and fled. Once it got difficult. Now they were so excited. They were that night when they were with Jesus and he's telling them, it's going to be difficult. They're going to, they're going to put you out of the synagogue, which is essentially going to, you're going to be uh, ostracized in the community. Your, your, your uh, business is boycotted. You will not have a social standing. You won't be able to vote. You won't be able to have any rights. They'll put you out of the synagogue. You will, they're gonna, a lot of difficult things are going to happen. In fact, people will kill you because they think God wants them to. And they hear this. And even amongst all that sort of, you know, you know sometimes it's us against the world mentality, you know, and you're like, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. And then even Peter in that dinner is like, I'll die with you. I'll die first. I'll be there. They can do whatever they want to me. I'll be there. Bring it on. And then what happens? gets difficult. The men actually do show up with the torches. They actually do show up ready to arrest the men. It was just a few nights ago. Thursday night was this night, uh, almost 2,000 years ago. This happens. And what happens? They all left him and fled. You know, I think we can be the same way. We are so good at making promises. We're so good. I'll be there. I got to bring it on. Sadly, you know, I've been in the same boat. I've been in the same boat, made, made promises in moments of weakness or, or guilt, you know, feeling guilty that I have to overcompensate to, to perform to a certain level, to, to make back what I lost um, in my peers' eyes, in my family's eyes. And, and, and I, we can say, we can be all jazzed up, ready to go, but then when the time comes, this is us. Yeah. Where, where'd we go? Where'd that brother go? He said he, could, he was going to be strong enough. He said, she said that. She would hang in there. She said that, you know, that it wouldn't be a big deal when the temptation came. But what, where are they now? All of us this morning, we're here now, but God wants us to be here in the end, too. He wants us to finish the race. 
praise God for Easter. Praise God for this morning. I like to imagine it, right? The, the sisters there showing up at the tomb, ready to anoint the body, to take care of the body as is, you know, ceremony. And he's not there. What's going through their mind, right? They think someone stole the body. Oh my goodness, this is so disrespectful. They're weeping, they're struggling. And there's that angel, right? Why do you look for the, the living among the dead? I love that. He's probably practicing that line before, you know. Like, I got it, I got it. You know, when she shows up, um, I'm going to get it. And, uh, but why do you look for the living among the dead? I like to imagine. It's such an amazing day, like Miss Kathy shared, like Bobby shared. It's a day of rebirth. Uh, it's a day of, of, of new beginnings and, you know, new starts and fresh starts. And, you know, uh, but it's, it's easy to say it, but can we, can we really live it out? Are we like the disciples there at the dinner? And Jesus, know, Jesus, Jesus hears you say, I'll, I'll be there, Jesus. I'll be there every, every meeting of the body. I'll be there Sundays. I'll study my Bible. I'll pray. When times get tough, I'll still hang in there. Even when that, that guy who looks amazing, but he's not a disciple, I'm going to be able to say no to that temptation. I'm going to be able to live just for you my whole life. I'm going to be able to just uh, forget, throw away materialism and the temptations of money. I'll just be a, a monk. I'll be satisfied with simplicity. I'll, I'll do it. You know, we can say it. We're so good at saying it. And then this happens. They all left and fled, and we, we leave and flee. You know, when I was a kid, I realized really quickly uh, that I wasn't the most athletic kid around. I wasn't the smartest kid around. I think for most of us, we realized this growing up. Wow, okay. We realized our deficiencies very quickly. And we live in a world where we talk about our deficiencies more than we talk about, uh, you know, our successes or our surpluses. We talk about what's wrong with us, what's wrong um, happens quite often with married couples. You sit down, how's your marriage going? Usually it's, this is what's going wrong. Um, almost always, right? I mean, we're just so good at being critical. We're so good at seeing what's wrong. I think it starts at an early age. Yeah. And I remember for me, I was a kid, I was a, when I was a kid, I was a little big. I was a little overweight. I can talk about it now. Back then, it was a little touchy subject, you know? Uh, and I remember I was a little overweight and I had, I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to be an athlete. Uh, I played Pop Warner football in LA and I had to play two weight classes up because I was big, you know? So I was like the youngest kid on my team. I was just a big kid. I remember being made fun of for my weight, made fun of for my size. Um, and it hurt, you know, as you're, when you're a kid. Those things hurt, and they, they kind of stay with you. Um, and then when I got older, I thought, man, if I could just be fit, if I could be cool, all of a sudden, impressing my friends became the most important thing to me in the world. Okay. Oh, what, my, what do my friends think? Do the guys think I'm cool? Do the girls like me? Uh, what do my friends think? And a lot of it was because I, as a kid, I didn't want to feel that anymore. I didn't want to be made fun of anymore. I didn't want to be joked about anymore. For a lot of us, this is the case. And so we actually start early, early in life. We actually start to try and live for ourselves, um, try and take care of ourselves, and to try to be strong enough ourselves. And I think the apostles, that they made the mistake of thinking they were strong enough. I think we make the mistake of thinking I'm strong enough. But the truth is that we have to understand that we're not. You're not strong enough to be a great husband, to be a godly husband. You're not strong enough to be a godly wife. You're not strong enough to be a light at your school, to, you know, to stand firm in temptation. You know, we're, we're not strong enough. And I think that's what gets in the way of our unity. We all think, uh, we all think in, in, in independent ways. And, and we don't. We're not unified like we should be. Now, a lot of us, I know, it's just like the apostles, but they were around Jesus, and they saw Christ, and they, they knew the scriptures. And for a lot of us, we know Jesus somewhat, somehow, a little bit. 
We're, we know Jesus, but I wonder, are we unified with him? And are we unified with each other? Christ prays that we can be unified with each other. Like he and the Father are unified. They were together since the beginning. Christ's prayer is one of unity. They all deserted him and fled. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, like a a popular song we sing, you know, he died alone. There's a few women there. John shows up at one point, I think, once it starts to die down. But, but, But Jesus dies alone. It was just the night before, hours before, all of his apostles said, I'll be there with you. It took a few hours and not even of any real threats. Like they didn't, I mean, in, in, when they're arrested that night, it's, they were really weak, but they, they, they made it seem like they were strong. Right. I know for myself, pretending to be strong is, was like most of my life. Uh, but it didn't do me any favors to admit that I was weak. Uh, I didn't want to look weak in front of others. I didn't want to be real. And I think that's what Jesus says in John 6, you know, that first, that first verse there in John 16, right? He says, listen, you guys aren't ready for the Spirit because the Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. You guys aren't ready yet. You know, the version I just read said, because the Spirit's job is to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. Now, how is the world in the wrong about sin? And I think it is what I was just talking about. I think it was that we, we like to believe that we're strong enough we like to believe that sin doesn't have consequences. Everything, you know, no big deal. We like to, I mean, we just do whatever, we live in a world, do whatever you want to do. Um, whatever you think is best. I mean, so many people I talk to, what is right? What is wrong? Well, whatever is right is whatever you feel is right. There's no consequences. And Jesus says, listen, it must have, it must have hurt Jesus. He's about to die because of their sin. Right? Jesus had to die. Now, I think for, for, for a lot of us, we have to admit this, that there is a cosmic right and wrong. There is right and wrong. There is. Uh, there are things that are right and things that are, are wrong. We talk about, well, it's just up to your conscience. Well, if a guy in his conscience, if he thinks it's in his, in his conscience, is okay to kill your daughter, you're not going to say, oh, as long as he thinks it's okay. Right? It's not up to our consciences. We have different consciences. All our consciences, we live in a fallen world. All of us said, you know, but there is a cosmic right and wrong. It's like, I use this illustration a lot, but it's like if somebody crashes their car into mine, somebody's got to pay. He pays, I pay, mixture of both, but somebody's got to pay. Somebody has to pay. There's been a transgression. There's been damage. There's been consequences. Somebody must pay. Now, God is light. God is light. There is, in him, there's no darkness at all, but somebody has to pay for your sin. Somebody has to. You'd think it'd be fair if we did. That's fair, right? It's fair that you pay for your pride. You pay for your sexual uh, sins. You, you pay for your rebellion, for your uh, arrogance, uh, for your hate, for your prejudice. You pay for those. That would be fair. But God says, no, I'm actually going to send my son to pay for your sin. And as Jesus knows this, I'm here for you. The apostles are bickering over how strong they are and how they'll be able to withstand the test. And yeah. Jesus is going, but you got, can, can you just be grateful? Can you be humble? And I think what gets in the way of unity is pride. No, there's no greater, there's no greater enemy to unity than self-centeredness. Right? How can you be unified if we're all self-centered? Yeah. We're all selfish. We're all self-focused. 
It's the greatest, it's the greatest uh, enemy to unity, but we can't be unified until we really see the cross. The cro- and our, in church, we've got, to, we've got to admit it today this morning. Your sin has consequences. It does. It does. We like to believe it doesn't. Some of them are easy to see. Sure, like physical pain or disease or, um, or, or you know, economic loss. But there's something that happens to our soul, too. I'm 28 years old. I still have dreams about things I did when I was a kid. Because I wake up and I feel like, oh, man, that's, that's still, that scarred me still. It's still in there. It's in my soul. This body's going to waste away, break, and go in the ground someday. But I've seen my soul is scarred from my sin. We wonder why God's telling us to stop putting the fork in the outlet all the time. We're going, well, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? We don't get it. Why not? Why not? Why not? And, and we're thinking, well, God, you're so unfair. God's saying, it's going to hurt. God's trying to help us. God is a God of love. As the kids sprint into the street, sure, the father grabs, and it looks like they're angry, but you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt if you keep living this way. And it's not just going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those around you. And God's begging us, even to the point where he knew. He knew if he just sent Jesus down to like get his throat slit at 33, or Jesus just appeared, hi, I'm 33, let's go ahead and get my blood so we can be the sacrifice thing, and I'm out of here. Uh, no, God knew. I believe God knew that only the cross would wake us up. Why is it so rough and why is it so why is it so torturesome and why because we our hearts are so hard because you're going to leave here go to lunch and forget about all this it's not going to change your day it's not going to change your parenting or your marriage you're going to say that was a nice lesson i'm going to go back to parenting the way i want to but here's the thing for all of us to understand jesus didn't boss these guys around he didn't say you have to do this you have to do that Jesus trusted that his sacrifice would fuel these guys to live the lives he knew they could live if they simply saw the truth, if they simply humbled themselves, if they simply let go of trying to pretend to be strong and realize we need to follow Christ's example and sacrifice ourselves for each other. Man, when someone sacrifices themselves for you, lays down their life for you, that brings people together. That's relationships. That's our best friends. And God knows this. God understands relationships. Marriages that fall apart fall apart because they're self-centered. Right? They stop doing things for one another. Parenting that falls apart is, is all just about ourselves. Yeah. And, and God understands this. Hop over to Ro- uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Now, here's the thing. I got a lot of sin. I become more and more aware about it, aware of it, the older I get. I think it's something that happens. Uh, When I was young, I was like, oh, I disobey sometimes. Um, That's probably it, you know. Uh, My parents were like, we can make some suggestions. Um, But, you know, I remember when I was 14 years old, I became a disciple. I got baptized and uh, had a sin list that I made, Uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't very long. I feel like if I made a sin list today... Uh, I might not, you might not see me for a while. Um, you know, it, it's a lot. We have a lot of sin and we can't fix it. We're not strong enough to fix it. We need someone to intercede. Amen. We need someone to, 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 to help. You know, if you go speeding through one of those red lights, I was in Maryland recently. Gosh, I hate Maryland. And I was in Maryland recently and, and I got two tickets in the mail. They didn't even, it's just, it's just a camera it took a photo of me and it was like, you were 11 miles an hour over. Here's your ticket. Yo, the Maryland government, you know, all this money. And they kept coming. It was like day after day. I was like, how many times did I, 
mess up. I didn't, they didn't tell me. I'm just getting this slew of, you know, invoices in the mail. You know, but let's say I decided after that first one. Let's say I decided after that first one I was going to drive back up to Maryland and, 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 and really try to, to, to do it right this time. And to stop at every yellow and, and to make sure I was like five miles per hour below the speed limit, just in case. Would those tickets still be coming in the mail? You bet. But what if I, you know, took it up a notch and I went to Walmart and got a sash and I stood at one of those intersections by college, you know, in College Park, Maryland by the university and I directed traffic. And I was like, surely this must atone for what I've done. Surely this is enough. Those tickets are still coming in the mail, aren't they? I need someone in the government. I need someone to help who can pull strings I can't pull. Those tickets are coming. Our sin has consequences. That judgment is coming your way. Condemnation is coming your way. We need an intercessor. We need help. And the first step this morning is for us to realize if we're going to be united in truth, that truth is to accept that we need help. To accept that we need help. Don't leave today without setting up a Bible study. Just don't. You're going to leave. You're going to, you're going to get sucked back into the patterns of this world. Set up a Bible study. We can all be in a Bible study this week. Whether it's with someone who wants to become a Christian or with two people who are already Christians. It doesn't matter. Let's meet up once this week and have a Bible study with somebody. Let's set it up. We need help. You might be thinking, well, Drew, I've been getting help from other people. Have you, have you gotten help from Jesus? Yeah. Let's stake my life on it. I was thinking about it recently. I was like, man, what would I stake my life on? If somebody asked me, you know, would you stake your life on it that Jesus can save my marriage? And I was thinking... Yeah, I would. If you live out the biblical roles of what God's put in the Bible, follow Jesus' example, I would. How about in your parenting? You know, God set it up. I think the, the problem is, and I see this in myself, that, that, that that's exactly what gets in the way is myself. Yeah. I don't agree with the passage, so I don't actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I only follow the advice I want to follow. And then I say, well, I got advice and it didn't work. Why did you just do what you wanted to do anyway? Really being humble is difficult. Jesus was amazing at it. And here he is at dinner saying, I'm going to go die for you. And they don't get it. They're still trying. And then they disappear. The second he needs them, they're gone. And some of us think, well, why not? You know what? We all sin. I sin. You sin. Let's just go on sinning. We have grace, right? We have an intercessor. We have Jesus. I'm here on Easter. What more do you want? Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. The Holy Spirit says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Today is not just about Christ rising from the dead. It's about the fact that you can rise from the dead. You can do exactly what he's done. Some of us already have. We've made the decision to repent and be baptized. And I don't mean getting baptized with a little water on your forehead when you're, when you're one and you have no idea what's going on. I mean dying to sin. Making a decision to die to sin. Does it mean you're perfect? No. I think I've sinned more after my baptism. Than before, I was 14, you know. I definitely sinned more. All it means is that at 14, I had a mindset change. That I was no longer going to live for sin. 
as to the best of my ability. And I was going to get help early and often and as much as I could to try to live for Christ. That's all it means. I can't be perfect. Those of you who know me know that's true. You know, situations come up all the time where I sin and I make mistakes. But we've got to have a mindset to change. Today's not about just Christ rising from the dead. It's about the fact that we can be united with him to rise from the dead. That we too, that your marriage can be saved. That your, your kids are not too far gone. Your own uh, addiction to that sin. Uh, that maybe you don't even really see yet. You know, that, that God can save you from that. But it can only happen if we, if we humble out, church. If we ask for help. Meet up this week. Get with somebody and ask them a question. Hey, you know, the theme this year is transformed by the Holy Spirit. Ask, hey, how do you think I could be transformed by the Holy Spirit more? How do you think I could grow? What have you seen in me that I need to change? What if we, just, what if we all just did that this week? Just, just once. What if we all just asked that one question this week? There's a lot of hours in the week. What if we just listened to the Spirit for 10 seconds each? What kind of week would it be? Oh, my goodness. What kind of week would it be? Sure, in that 10 seconds, they might share some things with you that you're like, I know, I need to change that. But, but you can ask, hey, how, what have you seen? And maybe you realize, you know what? I actually didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I was hurting you in that way. But Paul says, why do we go on sinning as if Christ didn't die? We've got to ask ourselves the questions, did, did Christ die for nothing? Christ didn't die so you can continue to do what you want, how you want, when you want. He didn't die to give you a license. He died to wake you up. He died saying, man, they, they got to see what sin does, what it did to me. This is all voluntary, but I just want them to see what, what pain's coming down their pipe if they don't repent, if they don't change. You know, we got to be united, but not just united in some like uh, after school activity united, right? There's a lot of groups out there today that are united. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of Christian groups that don't really care what you believe. They just say, as long as we sit in the same room, we're united. Maybe geographically, but that's about it. Uh, uh, there's a lot of groups out there that say, well, we just got to be together. But I want to encourage us. We've got to be united in the truth. Yeah. And the truth is that we need help. Yeah. United in the fact, you know what? I need help. Can you help me, brother? How's your marriage? I, how could I be a better husband to Jenny? How could I be a better friend? You know, there was a brother this week who asked me, uh, hey, Drew, what, what kind of questions can I ask you to really help you? You know, what are some good questions I can ask you in the future to help you? And I was like, that's a great question. I even know the answer to that. But it encouraged me that he was even thinking about me. But he was even considering how he can help me. It changed my whole week. It was so encouraging, but for all of us, are we united in truth? And there's a great quote by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, He says, to remain divided is sinful. Did not our Lord pray that they may be one, even as we are one? John 7, 17, 22. A chorus of ecumenical voices keep harping the unity tune. What they are saying is Christians of all doctrines, shades, beliefs must come together in one visible organization regardless. Unite! Unite! Such teaching is false, reckless, and dangerous. Truth alone must determine our alignments. Truth comes before unity. Truth comes before unity. Unity without truth is hazardous and disastrous. Our Lord's Prayer in John 17 must be read in its full context. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them through the truth. The word is the truth. Only those sanctified through the word 
can be one in Christ. To teach otherwise is to betray the gospel. One simple challenge for us this week, church, is let's get together and speak the truth to each other. Not the truth of, let me tell you all that you've done wrong. But the truth of help, please give me help. Please help me. Even if you don't think you need help, that's pride. So confess that. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling proud. I don't even think I need help. Help me out. I'm so prideful. Uh, but let's get together. We can't, we, we, we all crave relationships, friendships, right? Deep, lasting, long, you know, long-term friendships. Those are the ones where we've been truthful to each other. Some of my best friends have shared with me some hard things. One of my best friends, he lied to me for two years about his drug use. Lied to my face. And he had to come to me and, and he had to be open about it. We prayed together. One of my best friends in the world. That's some tough, you know, tough conversations, but truth a lot of times comes before unity. But I'm encouraged by the church. You know? I'm encouraged by so many people. Uh, I want to lift up a few of them, but before that, let's close out in Acts chapter 4. Now, you're thinking, man, this is kind of intense. This is kind of deep. Basically, you told us that we're not strong enough, that we're proud, that we can't do it on our own, and that we've got to commit. Man, that's, that's deep stuff for Easter. What happened to just, he rose again from the grave, let's get some brunch, let's go get some chocolate eggs, and get out of here. You know? you know what's awesome? I love this. So the last time, so Acts 4 takes place about 50 days after the apostles all deserted him and fled. Their, wor- their really worst moment. I mean, they knew it was coming, and they all just turned out to be self-centered and focused on themselves instead of their friend Jesus, who was going to lay down his life for them. Now in Acts 4, it says the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly annoyed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. Because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the others in the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, there it is, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, who has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And here it is. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. 50 days. 50 days between I can talk the talk, I'm strong enough, pride, to wow, they're preaching the gospel. They're courageous. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit really is just reminding them, you know what? This is what Jesus did. 
When, people, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a family resemblance to our Father. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, people go, you know, I realized, Drew, that you're pretty unschooled and ordinary. You're not that special. You know, you're kind of weird sometimes. You're kind of awkward. You got issues. But I noticed you've been with Jesus. You know, for all of us, it's not about our strength. It's not about how we can deliver. We can't. We, we got we to be eager to be just like Peter and John 50 days later to go heal someone. Just an act of kindness. And then they were challenged on it. You got to think Peter and John were like, okay, we've been here before. We've been here before. We're ready this time. We're ready this time. Sure, we failed in the past, but we're ready now. We got to be the same. Okay, I blew it this week. I blew it. But you know what? This week I'm going to be ready. Last week I was selfish. Last week I said that hurtful thing. You know, last week I didn't come out to church. Last week I didn't have quiet times in the morning. You know what? But you know what? This week I'm going to be ready. This week I'm going to go for it because if Jesus did it for me, how can I not do it for him? If Jesus died for me, how can I not lay down my life for him? Did Jesus die for nothing? Salvation is found in no one else. And let's be encouraged when people realize, wow, you know, we're not the, the, we're not the smartest, sharpest, athletic, best-looking people in the world. We're not. We have Jesus. That's what's awesome about today. That's what's awesome about Easter Sunday. Let's be united in truth. Let's be united by truth. And let's realize, you know what, that the more we focus on the cross, the closer we'll actually get to each other. The more we focus on how much we need help and we don't have it all figured out, the more we'll actually be closer to one another. Humility is contagious. Self-sacrifice is contagious. Nobody likes the guy focused on himself. But let's take the challenge this week of listening to the Spirit for 10 seconds. Do it today. Check it off your list before you leave. Do it today, but talk to somebody. Get with somebody. If you don't know anybody, meet somebody today. Set up a Bible study this week. What if we met, all met back here this Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, and we all had a Bible study where we asked for help from somebody else, and we went to the Scriptures for some guidance? What an amazing week. What an amazing week. I mean, what could God do just from that if we all began to really lay down our lives for Christ? Because he did for us. Then we'll be united in truth, and then we'll, just like our Lord today, be resurrected to live a new life. Amen, and to God be the glory.